you get that for me, Mark? Good morning. God bless you. Yeah, just throw it over there for me, man. Appreciate you. This is the day the Lord has made. We're shouting. We're rejoicing. Come on, let's hear your best praise. Give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Excited that everyone is here this morning as we continue our series on the book of Ephesians. Good morning, my name is Ken. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm excited to to give my little part about the book of Ephesians and preach to you this summer. I hope that you're having a wonderful summer. I hope that uh, you're getting some time to relax and that being here today is just a blessing to you. I pray that you will hear what you need to hear and I pray that the word will speak to you today. In fact, uh, if you would, just close your eyes with me. Let's go in, let's meditate on God and let's pray this morning. the words you are my champion somebody tell him you're undefeated hallelujah Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy that's been extended to us. And as we've been preaching and now we know, we just didn't deserve this measure of grace. We didn't deserve this act of sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. And yet, what has been confirmed today through the praise and worship is that you extended your best for us when we were at our worst and now we can dare live into a new identity we can dare believe that we are who you say we are and for that we are grateful God I pray that the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight today that your word would be preached and that your people cannot shall not will not be the same this we believe you for in Jesus' name, would you just lift your hands and say, I am who you say I am? Come on, I am who you say I am. I am who I say I am. I can have what you say I can have. I can have what you say I can have. Because you paid it all at Calvary. Because you paid it all. Come on, let's give me praise. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But he washed us white as Amen. Come on, give God your first praise. Thank you so much. God bless you. Well, do me a favor. Hold that cup up before the Lord. And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow. Let it overflow. Pray that there's some for somebody else. Listen, I want you to know this before I preach to you. It's very important to me that you know that I love you. All right. I, love you. I value this opportunity to sow the seeds of the word of God into your life. 
I pray that they make a difference. And today I believe the word of the Lord is going to bring someone a harvest. Our, our lead pastor, Pastor Eric, is away blessing another ministry today, Oasis of Hope, as they celebrate their anniversary. So we're praying for him there that uh, all the anointing of Common Ground Northeast is being exhibited there. Uh, somebody say, bless him, Lord. That, that the anointing of God is on him and that uh, he is the blessing that we, we know him to be here at Common Ground Northeast. Well, I'm excited to preach to you and to continue our theme, which is just out of the book of Ephesians. And you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. It's really a straightforward message today. And, and I was thinking about what's the best way to kind of, uh, if there were an illustration, what, what would it look like? And it was like, you know, when you find an old photo of yourself <laughs> and it's like, you know what? I forgot I looked like that. Anybody ever picked one of those up and like you, you look at yourself now and that, that was way back in the day and you kind of forgot you had that much hair or you forgot uh, that you looked like that. And every once in a while, it's sobering to go back and just see just who you were. And in today's text, Paul writes uh, and he, he hopes that we're, uh, we get a sober picture of just who we are and just, and just this work that God did for us and that God's work, watch this church, looks better. God's work, our future looks better and it gets even more illuminated as you and I look back and see exactly who we were and exactly what God saved us out of. And when you and I every once in a while go back and revisit that old man, Revisit those old ways, revisit those old times, and look exactly how far God has brought us from. His power, His grace becomes more evident in our lives. I want to stop right here and somebody look back and give God praise for where He brought you from. So, this was kind of introduced last week, and if you didn't hear uh, Pastor's uh, last three sermons, go back and revisit those, in particular last week when he looked at Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. And today we're going to focus on uh, chapter 2, the first 10 verses. But Paul prays, and I'll, and I'll go back because it's kind of a lead-in. He says in chapter 1, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Everybody here has a calling the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And now that's me and you. And his incomparable great power, this is where it gets good, uh, for us who believe. That's important. But wait a minute. Paul says it's the same power, uh, it's the same as the mighty power and strength that he used, exercised, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, you had that power. And seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. There is a name, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything, every circumstance, every situation, every crisis for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And Paul talks about this occurrence, this happening, 
this event that changed the course of history. And it's nothing like it. And he says this event, this happening, was not haphazard. But God planned it. God orchestrated it. It is the idea of God. It is the execution of God. And, and Paul says, wait a minute, but do you believe it? Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus went to Calvary's cross? And that's sort of a rhetorical question, but I'm going to ask you emphatically, do you believe it? Yeah. Uh, so, so it's important that you believe it because belief and confession are necessary components in order to take advantage of the fullness of it. So here's how it works. That when you hear the gospel preach, and when you know of this event, this thing that God did for us, one of the things that it requires is a personal conviction. That I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that after three days, God raised him up. And not only did he raise him up, that Jesus got up with all power in his hand. And that now because he has all power, he has given us that power. And you and I share in that power. But that requires a personal conviction. And also a private confession that, God, I believe in the work of Calvary. I believe in what you did. I believe you did it for my sins. And I believe that you, you did it because you saw my wretchedness. You saw my evil and you saw me in that place. And now I confess that that was me. But now I want to gracefully take advantage of the power that you have given us. It requires a personal conviction and a private confession if you believe it. But that confession should also lead to a public demonstration and also a public invitation that if it's good to you, if it has blessed you and if you believe it and if it's transforming you, if it's leading you uh, into better places, then you should also exhibit that, that it should, we should be able to see it on your life. That there should be a change, there should be a transformation, because now you have at your disposal the most unimaginable power in the history of mankind. Holy Ghost power, resurrection power belongs to you. And not only that, should it, it impact your public demonstration, but you should want it for someone else. So it should be a public invitation. So Paul says this occurrence that changed the history of the world that belongs to us. And so last week when Pastor Eric preached, he talked about this power and this occurrence. And then today Paul says, but if you believe it, it is the proverbial catch 22. That you can't really say you believe that. You can't really say you accept that. You can't really say that you identify with that on one hand and not have it impact your life on the other hand. So today we're talking about the implications of that power. That, that today we're talking about the small print of that uh, power. That when you ascribe to that, that when you say that this and God has saved me, that I'm born again, I'm a new creature and old things are passed away, all things have become new. That when we sign up to live into this power, there are some implications. And, and so what we have to do is that we have to look at ourselves and, and, and hopefully that when we look back at ourselves, we don't look the same. Hopefully the person we're becoming now doesn't look like the person in that old photo. For the person we're becoming now does not look like the person that was predisposed uh, to, to the world and the person that did not walk in this power. And so in chapter 2 is a snapshot of who we were. This power 
changed everything. So now everything should change. Amen. And what is the first thing and the main thing that should change? Well, you should change. You should be different. We should be different. And our conversations should be different. Our affections should be different. Our attitudes should be different. The things we aspire to should be different. Nothing should be the same once we have access to this occurrence and this power. And thirdly, there is an occurrence, there are implications, and then what are the actions that you and I? What we should do with our newfound freedom, we'll talk about this today, is to not enslave others and to fight against any systems that does. If you are then raised with Christ, we should seek those things for, that are above. So for just a few minutes, church, as we look at Paul's uh, writing in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to preach from this subject. As for you and me, let's talk about you. Let's talk about me for just a few minutes. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about us. Join me in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 1. I think we have those, that scripture up there. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, well, what about you? You didn't do it? Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, but what about you? And what about us? Something should be different now. Here's, here's Paul says. He starts it off. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He said, as for you. Let's talk about you for a minute. Here's what's true. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. This is the truth about you. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. This is what you look like. This is you. All of us. And this is me. Let's talk about us. All of us also lived among them at one time. We're all guilty. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This picture don't look so good. Because of his, but because of his great love. God, who is rich in mercy, in spite of us, he made us alive. Let's talk about us now. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. But all of us. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about us. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The us is so important. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God and not by works so that no one can boast. For we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance 
Here's that word for us to do. Let's talk about us. Here's the big idea of the text. It is, like Pastor Eric said last week, a revisit of God's power. And Paul says in chapter 1, it's the same power. It is resurrection power. It is God's power has changed our old position of death to our new position of life. And secondly, we'll examine that God's power, not only has it changed our position, but the implication and the action is, if we walk in God's power, it should have also changed our practice. Not only our position, but the things that we elect to do. The things that we do with that power. So Paul starts off in verse 1. Paul says, uh, you were dead. When you look at that, 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 that picture of who you used to be, Paul wants us to be uh, clear. To be clear. That when God found us, this power found us, Paul says in verse 1 that we were dead. It means that we were separated. In this case, we were spiritually dead, totally, absolutely, and completely separated from God. We were absolutely powerless, helpless, unable, incapable to think, feel, or do anything that was toward God. And it is in this state that God finds us, that we were ignoring him. We were not connected to him. And yet his love uh, 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 embraced us even when we did not have him on our mind. So the Greek word translated trespass means stepping over the mark or boundary. Being a rebel, the word in the original for sin here means missing the mark or falling short or being a failure. In our dead and separated state, we were both rebels and failures. We were not even thinking about God. And this is where God found us. This is the picture of who we were. Paul strives to be clear about the fact that you and I were fully dead. We weren't just a little dead. We weren't just missing the mark. Y'all, we were totally and completely separated from God. We did not deserve the act of his grace. We were unable to come to God unless he included everything, even the power. We were incapable in our old position of even desiring God. We did not have him on our mind. We were lost, undone, and unrighteous. Look at that picture, and I want you to come to terms with it and say, that was me. That was me. That is who I was. Paul not only says that in verse 2, he says, not only were we there, but we we were enslaved to that person. We were enslaved to that mindset. That is who we were. We walked according, Paul said, to the age of the world. Whatever was happening on the outside was so influential to us that that we didn't have anything to push back with. Paul says the Greek word for world means principalities that govern the world system. Lust, greed, fear, hate, materialism, sensuality, independence. That y'all, we were susceptible to all of those. We were just going with the flow. We were just in the party. We were just called up. We were just doing, uh, if we were in Rome, we were just doing what the Romans do. 
And Paul says, so in our enslavement according to the ungodly worldly principles that whatever the world was doing, we were doing. And then Paul says that we walked according to the principles of the power of the air. That, that, that whatever the culture was, the satanic culture, the evil culture, the dark culture, y'all, we didn't have anything to push back on that. And so we were doing lying, walking in unbelief, pride, deceit, and wickedness. And we walked according, to the third thing Paul says, to the lust of our flesh and of our mind. That we wanted to do anything that we could imagine. And that our mind was not checked and our flesh was not checked. We were a runaway train. We were a runaway train of unrighteousness. We were a runaway train of wickedness. And that is the state that God found us in. Uh, The Greek word for lust means strong desire. It can be used both in a positive and a negative. But in this case, it was negative. It was the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and whatever our mind imagine and so Paul writes in Ephesians 2 and 3 that we were enslaved to the sensuous desires gluttony drinking immorality in other words we abused these things that God had given us on this great body but we used it in ill pursuit and the, the lust of our hearts and our minds And we did not retain God in our knowledge. And finally, uh, the third nail is, Paul says that not only uh, were we born this way, uh, Paul says that not only that we were born this way, then Paul says that we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. The phrase looks at the origin. We were depraved, polluted, corrupted, evil, and sinful at our birth. That we were born this way. And the psalmist said that in sin did my mother conceive me. And so this is the state that God found us in. And yet Paul says that this power, this power God gave us. And here's where it turns. Y'all, that was us. That was us. And in order to appreciate the thing that God did for us, that we'll miss it. We won't be able to appreciate it. And we live unless we live fully into the identity of who we were, unless we embrace that. Yes, that was me. Yes, that that describes me. Uh, And David said, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And then Paul says in verse five and six, but God, God's power comes to give us the opportunity to change our position. God's power comes right into that place, gives us the opportunity to change our position. Look what he says. We were made alive in Christ. The Greek word here is a combination of three words, to make, life, and with. God made us alive with Christ. Note that the work was done by God and not us because we didn't desire this work. He had to have the desire for us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but they could have everlasting life. It was his desire for us. And the basis of this new life, Paul says, it is grace and faith. 
that we were raised by the grace of God and faith in him. We were raised up in Christ. That means that you and I now partake in the resurrection life. When Christ was raised physically, somebody rejoiced with us. You were raised spiritually. Come on, let's give God praise for that. And then Paul says, finally, we were seated with Christ in heavenly places. This shifted our position. We have positionally experienced victory in Christ and that you and I have now gone through the shift that because of the work of Calvary, he literally picked us up and changed our position. Secondly, God's power should also change our practices. And, and here's where that, here's the catch 22 of it, that when you and I who have been saved and we've been able to take advantage of this power that Paul talked about in chapter one and Pastor Eric preached about last week, that not only has it changed our positioning church, but as now as ambassadors of Christ, now as people who possess this power, now, as people who align with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, here's the important thing that we should know now, that not only are we not positioned in the world, not only are we in the world, but not of the world, it should change our practices. It should change the way we conduct our affairs. It should change the way that we do our business. That there should be something that not only are we not positioned in the world, that as we interface with the world, there should be something that is peculiar about us. There should be something that is different about us. There should be something that sets us apart, that distinguishes us, and the, the fingerprint of God's love, God's grace, God's anointing, God's power should be evident in our lives. So here's the catch-22, and here's what I was trying to get, that to say that we have been risen with Christ, to say that now we have the new position in Christ, should also be evident in the way that we conduct our affairs. The catch-22 of the whole text that Paul is trying to tell us is that you cannot have the new position without the new practices. That, that you can't claim to be born again. You can't claim to be resurrected, but still walk in the practices of the old man. It's a catch-22 that if you say that you're living with Christ, then, and you're not positioning yourself in the world, then the world should find you foreign. The world should find you strange. The world should find you peculiar. The world shouldn't really understand you. The world shouldn't get you. And you shouldn't get the world. That God has brought us out of that. God has saved us from that. God has resurrected us. God has given us his nature. We've been changed. We've been transformed. We should not look the same. We should not act the same. We should be different. We should take on his characteristics. We should love who he loves. We should be his ambassadors. We should be an extension of his heart. We should be an extension of his hands. That you, you, you cannot claim this power. You cannot fully uh, uh, ascribe to this power and do what the world does. We should love like God. We should be, the power should be evident in our lives. Where should it be evident? 
It should be evident in our trials. It should be evident in our going through. It should be evident in our, watch this church, in our temperament. When people interface with us, it should be evident that God has control of our tongue. It should be evident in our conversation. Because we don't say everything we want to say. Because not only is my position different, my practice is different. I do it different. I say it different. The old man, the old person in that picture is the one that used to say whatever they wanted to say. That's the person that used to give people a piece of their mind. That's the person that was no hose bar. But this person represents Christ. This person isn't at liberty to say what they want to say when they want to say it. This person's words are accountable to the Spirit of God. Paul says, like, and there's no excuse because you're like, you got the power to be transformed. You have the power. This is Deuteronomy's power. This is Holy Ghost power. This is the most explosive, expansive power ever known to man. This is the power that got Jesus out of the grave. That power is at your disposal. You cannot underserve with that power. You cannot take that anointing, that level of power, that level of resurrection power, you can't take that back into your old life. It doesn't fit there. It doesn't belong there. It is resurrection power. It is lifting power. It is go forward power. It is go higher power. It doesn't belong in the past. You're responsible for how you act with that power. Paul says, yes, it changed your position. But more importantly, it should change your power, your your, uh, practices. Paul says, your sins, your trespasses, your desire to be interfacing with the world, that if anyone is in Christ, it is the, 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 the understanding that I'm comfortable being new. I'm comfortable, in some cases, being excluded. I'm cool with that because I marched to a different beat now. I'm comfortable that that joke isn't funny to me anymore. That hurts people and I represent God and and that used to be funny. That, That was cool before I got this power. That was cool. I mean, I mean, I mean, I was cool being in this group that didn't like that group. But now I'm in God's group and he likes everybody. So I want to ask you, what has changed since you got this power? What should change now that Paul reminds us 
uh, you should not want to look like that person. You should be glad that God is making you new. You should be glad that God is changing things. You should be glad that you're being transformed. Paul says that God changed us. Here's what it should look like. God's power has established new practices characterized by godly principles. I, I, don't, I don't live by the world's principles anymore. So, so what I'm saying is the end doesn't always justify the means when I'm in God. Anybody feel that? That is not a dog-eat-dog society. I, I don't live like that anymore. That, that running over people to get where I want to be and get what I want, I, I, I don't live like that anymore. What God has for me, it is for me, and, and I don't have to hurt anybody to get there. I don't have to diss anybody to get there. I don't, have to die. I don't need you to go down so I can go up. I don't live by those principles anymore. It's not how I live. If I have to hurt you, if, I have, if it doesn't glorify God, then it's not for me. God will get me where he wants me to be when he wants me to be there. I don't have to fight to get there. I don't have to cheat to get there. I don't have to lie to get there. I don't have to hurt anyone to get there. I've been transformed. I'm trying to walk in true holiness. Here it is. Here's the object of the practice. Here, 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 here's where everything should be filtered through this, through this, this one phase. Everything I do now, does it glorify God? Would God be proud of it? Can I bring it before God? If God asks me about it, is it going to be cool? Is it okay with God? Does it pass the glorifying God test? If it doesn't, I'm wrong. That's not for me. Would God frown on it if I said it? What if God listened and heard me say it? Because we all know the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the good and the evil. Does it speak life? Is it evident that God is making me new? Giving me new life? Do my actions suggest that? Do my actions glorify God? And Paul says, because here's what you got to know. I'm going to finish here in a second. We are now his workmanship. We've been made over, right? We've been on God's assembly line, right? And, 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 and when we come off the assembly line, we have God's tag on us, made by God, remade by God, made over by God's spirit. And so when we leave the factory and go into the world, it is clear, it should be clear that we've been remade by God and that his fingerprint is upon our lives. Some of you are good at making things. And when you get finished making it, you want to be proud of what you made and you, you, you want it to last. You want it to, to have be quality. 
and God invested his spirit in us so that we would look good and be good and he's given us the power to stand and the power to last. The Greek word for workmanship means the product is of a person's hand. In the Old Testament, the same concept referred particularly to the creation of a poem. If we are God's workmanship, then we are the product of his hands that we should look like God made us. We should act like God made us. We should walk in holiness. It doesn't mean that everything happens at once, but this should be our pursuit, our general pursuit in life. That we should reflect the power of God. So as a close today, Paul says this. In Galatians 6 and 10, let us do good to all men as we have the opportunity. In Acts 9 and 36, Dorcas was said, because of the power and positioning and practice of God, to be full of good works. In 1 Timothy 5 and 10, with this power, the word says hospitality. They washed the saints' feet and relieved the afflicted. This is what we should do with this power. We should invest it in people. We should move it forward. We should not hold on to it. That somebody should be better because we have this power. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, people with the power and the testimony is that they were found giving money to those in need. In 1 Timothy 5 and 10, they followed every good work and they blessed the children. In 1 Timothy 2 and 10, references the good works followed them by ambition and submission. They submitted to God and they submitted to other people. 2 Timothy 2, 21 says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel, she shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and fit for the master's use. I'm prepared for every good work, y'all. We should be different. And the world should be different because God's power is in us. You are no more a Christian than the way you treat people. And in this society, in this worldly society, the endeavor is always to one-up people, to be better than them, and, and, and to use our resources to distinguish ourselves in as many ways as we can, educationally, economically. We're always, it's me-focused. God says, man, that's what you want to do with my power. You want to take the most explosive, expansive power in the world and just bless your life. You want to ball out with my power. I said that power to the world. It is an us. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about you and me. Us. 
power is not just for you. I didn't send that power to you. I sent that power to the world through you. I'm working through you so that you can make a difference and you can make a change. You got to change your position. You got to change your practices. Because I'm trying to bless the world with that power. I'm trying to use you to help me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you that Paul says in Ephesians 1, yo, just so we clear, this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is life-changing power. This is transformation power. This is resurrection power. That you cannot really tap into this power and be the same. When this power touches anything and anybody that did that is dead, they immediately come to life. Their position is changed and their practices are changed. You cannot be dead and have this power. It is living power. It is life-giving power. It is vitality. It is, it is rich. It is a well springing forth to life. God, some of us would take this power like a lamp and, and try to hide it under the bush. We try to be saved and have your power, have an affiliation with you, but not walk in the fullness of it. We just want some of it. We just kind of want it. But this is a catch-22. This is an all-or-nothing proposition. If you then are risen with Christ... This power will move you forward. It will take you higher. And you are responsible for taking other people with you. God, now we understand that Paul was saying in Ephesians, and we want this power. And God, would you let this power do everything? Come on, lift your hands. Would you let it do everything you intended to be? Would you let it be life-giving? Would you let it be life-changing? Would you let it be life-transforming? And God, would you let me have some of it, but would you let it flow through me to bless other people? I wanted to change my position. And I wanted to change my practices. I never want to be the same. I do not want to underachieve with the greatest power ever given. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give God praise for this word.